Good morning. Thank you, Danny. That was a great missionary report. I'm going to circle back to that later in the message and have a little bit to say about that. Last week, we preached a message that helped launch Mel and some members of our church to plant a church. And uh, today, I'm going to preach a message I've titled, Calling a Church to Support Vision. Let me read to you a few verses out of Acts chapter 1. This is where we're going to focus on and see God's Word challenge us with the vision that we have. So Acts chapter 1, verse 6 says, So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Father, I just pray that you would uh, challenge us from your word, teach us something today, and may we just honor you in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if a author took the challenge on to write a book about the history of the sport of golf, you would find as you begin to read that and as they research that, that they would start in the country of Scotland. Maybe you didn't know that. But the Scottish have that claim. We invented the sport of golf. However, As you read about the the history of that sport, what would you find is this, is that as it's telling you about its origins and it's there in Scotland, it would soon move from Scotland to England and begin to talk to you about how the sport grew up in England. And it would move from England to the United States and to parts of Europe and to the other parts of the world. And Scotland would be forgotten. In fact, if you want to connect golf to Scotland, now people go back there to visit it to see the birthplace of where golf came. They walk and play on its old uh, courses of grandeur, talk about the famous uh, golfers who were there in its time, and it has a history, right? But it's certainly not where the sport is at now. It's certainly not the cutting edge of where it's at, is it? Now, I share that with you because there's a similarity between that and Christianity in the church. In fact, I read from you Acts chapter 1, Acts perhaps the first book, right, written, you could say, about the history of the church, how it began and how it grew. And what you find as you work through the book of Acts is that we're going to begin in Jerusalem, just like golf began in Scotland. But soon it moves out of Jerusalem And Jerusalem isn't the cutting-edge place anymore. And the question that we're going to ask today is why? What is the vision that God gave to that first early church? What can we learn from it? What is our vision as a church? And is there a warning that just like the church, God began to move in other parts of the world, and the church in Jerusalem is soon not even in the narrative? Can that happen to a church today? That's the question that I want to ask. And so, I 
phrase this, calling a church to support vision. In particular, the fact that last week we launched a team out of this church. We are financially supporting that launch. Why do that? What's the vision for that? Why? And that's what I want to fold into this. So we're going to begin here with focusing the mission, because the mission has to be clear. I remember not, I wasn't alive then, but seeing it in history and TV and stuff, but John F. Kennedy, we're going to the moon. I mean, that's a clear objective. The mission is the moon. They don't accidentally, hey, we landed on Mars. No, they knew what the mission was. They accomplished it. That's one of the things I always like about the military in the sense that when it has a mission, they got clear objectives and then they bring behind that the support needed to accomplish the mission. We're going to go get bin Laden. What then comes behind that? The technology, the, the intel, the we know where he is now, the stealth chapters to get in there. To, there's a plan so they can accomplish the mission. What is the mission of the church? Well, we've got to we're going to see the Scripture, but we've got to focus that mission. How do you do that? The very first thing we see is correction of God. The disciples, it says in verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? You can almost laugh because He spent three years with them. He's poured into them. And now here at this moment, the church is about to explode onto the planet, and they've got the mission all wrong. They totally got the mission wrong. At this time, Lord, is, is, are you going to restore the kingdom? See, they come out of the Old Testament, and that, that the knowledge there was someday God will return, and Israel will be the kingdom on the planet, and the Gentile nations will recognize who we are as being chosen by God. You're, you're our king. Is that going to happen, Jesus? Yes, but later in history, I've come to prepare you for another mission. You got a mission. That's not the mission. They got the mission wrong. And one of the things I want to say to you, and perhaps this is the warning, is that when you get the mission wrong, which you're going to see as you go through this, is that God's going to go and move through someone who's got the mission right. And sometimes you have to refocus that mission. Part of my job as a pastor is to come back sometimes and bring us back to what is the mission of the church and to talk about that. Churches are notorious for getting off mission. We could have, this is our mission, just like going to the moon. We see the trajectory, it's supposed to be there. But we got this great, awesome thing going on over here. It's just sideways energy. We put all this energy into this, this thing, but we haven't moved at all that in that direction. And sometimes you got to pull us back over from the sideways energy and say, is that where we need to spend time, energy, and resources? So refocusing the mission. Jesus had to do it with His disciples. No, no. His response to them was, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. That's a way of saying there's a season for that. Yes, that's going to happen, but that's not now. You're off mission. And so you see, sometimes to focus the mission, there needs to be correction, but then we get the plan of God. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea 
and Samaria and the end of the earth. He gives them the mission. And, then, and this has always been the plan of God. You look at other places like in Ephesians 3 where Paul later on is writing and he says, by revelation he made known to me the mystery that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Now just that one verse there, you see Paul saying it was a mystery. Their thinking is all about Israel. When are the Gentile nations going to recognize who we are? And then Paul says there's this mystery aspect. And I always define a mystery when Paul uses the word mystery as a truth that always existed that he had not yet revealed to his people. That truth was Gentiles are going to become part of us. That's the mission. It's always been part of the mission. Jesus in Matthew, right, says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, the great commission, right? There it is, go therefore, make disciples to, of all the nations. That phrase, all the nations, panta ta ethne, that's what it is in the Greek. Ethne is the word for nations. Ethnic, of all ethnicities, of all people groups. Go make disciples, reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make them disciples. It was always the plan to go outside of Israel to all the world. And yet they're off mission. But we get the plan of God, and it's a great plan. Because in the plan, you see kind of stages, don't you? Stage one, Jerusalem. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. But not just there. Stage two, Judea and Samaria. That's outside. That means after Jerusalem, you got to go outside Jerusalem, stage two, and reach Judea and Samaria. And then stage three, let's just go all the way to the ends of the earth, Pontata Ethne. And he, I love that because he gives them, it's like a, a plan. Where, where are you at right now? Focus on Jerusalem. Because when you say, hey, you got to be my witnesses to the whole globe, you might go, that's a little bit... Uh, overwhelming. Well, focus on Jerusalem. Grow something in Jerusalem, and as you grow, go outside of that. And as you grow there, go outside of that. But the common theme is always something that's going outward to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In a way, He gives it to you in a way that's understandable, that's palatable, that doesn't overwhelm you. Not only that, he gives the plan, but He's going to help. He's going to give you the means, right? I mean, when you say, we're going to the moon, well, then you better fund it. You better come up with a plan for how you're going to do that and get the right people in the right places. And, and so, when He says, you're going to be my witnesses, look what else He says. Acts 1, you, He's going to provide, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In fact, if you read it in sequence, that's how it actually goes. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, right? I can always remember, I, I just, sometimes there's like moments in classes I had that are etched in my memory forever. I remember this verse, Acts 1.8, and the professor just, he just honed in on it. You know, you will receive power. The Greek word for that is uh, the word that we get dynamite from. Power, like this exploding power. There's a lot of power in this little thing. And what, what exactly is that? That God gave His Spirit 
the Holy Spirit to come and indwell us, to live inside us. Why? To empower us to fulfill the mission of being His witnesses. You can see how do you focus a mission. Sometimes you've got to correct it. You've got to see what the trajectory is and correct it. Make sure you're on mission. You need to know what is the plan. He gives us the plan to be witnesses in these three stages, and He's going to empower us to do it. Now, this is one of the main points of today. Everything else I say is going to, going to be built on top of this, but you have to see that these two things go together. He gave both of them together to accomplish the mission. What do you mean? He says, here's the promises, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. They go together, and that's important. You must see that, because there are some churches that take only one of those and focus only on that. We're going to focus on getting the Spirit and having power, and they never go out. And there are some churches who say, we're going to focus on being mission-minded, never through the power of the Spirit. But He gave the Spirit to empower His church to be witnesses. One of the writers I was reading on this, he said, the validating test of any visitation and experience of the Spirit of God is whether or not we go out and testify for Jesus, and whether or not our parameters for doing that include the ends of the earth, the unreached. That means a church must focus themselves on being outward going, to be witnesses. The focus cannot be just here on this campus and having great spiritual moments. The purpose of the filling of the Spirit is to get you out there to be His witness. Now, we can see the focusing of that mission, right? And we see the fulfilling of that mission in the first half of the book of Acts. Acts is kind of in two parts. The first half focuses on Jerusalem and how that church grew and how it conquered Jerusalem. And in that first half, we see uh, evangelism, and it led to growth. It grew. They made disciples. They took the, the gospel outward. Peter stands up and preaches a message. 3,000 people join the church. They become believers in Christ. Boom. The church explodes. Later on, 5,000 join the church. Later on, it says multitudes join. Later on, it says a huge number. Now, that's got to be something, because if they could count 3,000, then they could count 5,000, they get to the number like, I don't know, there's a lot out there. I mean, it was a mega church. It was a huge church in Jerusalem. And you might think in the first five years or so of the church in Jerusalem, in Acts, it grows to be a mega church. Is that not large enough now to go outside of Jerusalem and start reaching Judea and Samaria? Now, one of the problems that the Jews had was they were stuck on that Jewishness. Uh, when, are you, when are the Gentiles going to recognize us, who we are, the Jewish people? Well, now we got this Christ thing, we're following Him, but we're still stuck in Jerusalem. They didn't want to go out, Pantata ethne, and reach other people, other people groups, other ethnicities. It was uncomfortable for them. But you can see early on 
that it grew. Evangelism was there. The work of the Holy Spirit was powerful. There were miraculous moments. You see in Acts chapter 3 is an example. Healing led to growth of the church. In Acts 3, there's a, a lame man. He's healed, and it says, many turned to the Lord. It used moments of the Holy Spirit working through people to grow the church, to be witnesses, even persecution. Peter's thrown in prison. The church is persecuted. There's a strong attempt to silence them. And I will tell you, cancel culture is not more powerful than the Spirit of God that lives in you. It couldn't cancel the early church. There's a strong effort by the leaders to silence them, to cancel them, and they couldn't. Persecution actually brought about church growth. You see, they had internal challenges and problems. In Acts chapter 5, they have to discipline two people in the church. If you're familiar with the story, Ananias and Sapphira, they lie. They try to get recognition for something that they shouldn't have got recognition for. And the way that God dealt with it was He just decided to, to call them right there. Your lives are over. They died right there as a result. And I mean, it shook the church. I mean, that was evidence of God. And the discipline resulted in growth. Not only discipline, but also disputes whatever systems were in place when the church was this big, as it grew to be this big, those systems couldn't support it. They had to come up with something different. People began to complain. Hey, I used to be ministered to when we were smaller. Now I'm not, I, I'm not getting the ministry I need. And they had to meet those challenges. When churches grow, that is a very common problem. Medium-sized churches are not the same as a small church. A big church is not the same as a medium-sized church. And sometimes they have to change somewhat to be able to do the ministry and meet ministry. Complaints arose, but still they met the challenge, and the Bible says the church grew as a result of it. And what I'm trying to show here is through those first six chapters, there's just a lot of evidence that the coming visitation of the Spirit upon that early church brought about accomplishing the mission of God, which was to be their witnesses and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And they were really good at it, except they were stuck in Jerusalem. And there's a way in which you can go, but there was like thousands of people in the church coming to know Christ. But what about the 99 point something percent rest of the people in the world outside of Jerusalem. That might be a big church, but there's a whole lot of people on the globe that don't know Christ. Why are you stuck in Jerusalem? And so, we could see the f they begin to fail at the mission. Some of the ways you could uh, demonstrate failure of the mission was God had to raise up a new agent for His mission. Someone totally new. I used this verse last week, Acts chapter 9. We're speaking of Paul, the Apostle Paul. God said, He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I need him for something different, 
to reach Gentiles. He's going to stand before kings. He's going to be a testimony in his mouth to people that the Jerusalem church is not reaching. And I was thinking about, you know, if you've gone to the dentist, most of you have, and you're laying in that chair, and they come, and they have this plastic thing like this, and they unroll it, and there's all these different instruments, right? They're instruments. Each one is unique from the other, used for a specific purpose. If he wants to do something to your teeth in a specific way, he chooses the instrument that fits that. This is Paul. Paul was a specific instrument, unraveled. God went, I want Paul. Why? My specific usage for him is to reach Gentiles. And that's part of what I want you to see. Let me show you in another way that the mission was failing. Not only does he raise up a new agent to accomplish the mission, but he raises up a new church to accomplish the mission. Now, I thought this is interesting. Acts chapter 11, it says this, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Are you a Christian? What was the first time that word was ever used? It says right there, Acts chapter 11. And you know what happened in Antioch? It was Barnabas. Barnabas was there, and it was a big church. And Barnabas went, I got to get Paul. And he goes and he gets Paul, come to Antioch. And he brought Paul back to Antioch. And there, it says they ministered. For a whole year, they just sent their teaching people and ministering to them. And Antioch becomes the church that God works through for the rest of Acts. They become the mission-sending church, the mission-supporting church. It doesn't mean that Jerusalem suddenly ceased to exist. The church was still there. They still were foundational to orthodoxy. Important pillars were still there. But God was not working through Jerusalem to do His mission. He works through Antioch. That's part of what I want you to see in the message today. A church that is alive and using what it has to accomplish God's mission, totally different from a church that has history that is focused on itself a lot. And modern day churches can be one, either one of those. Some churches have a great history and they focus a lot on who they are and, and the campus here. We got to have programs, get people here, and they somehow have become ineffective at going out into the culture and actually living with the people who need Christ and being a witness to them in everyday life. So, I have a few thoughts for you how churches fail at the mission. That is alluding at the first one. A church can have a let them come to me mentality. And that's where some churches are like. Let them come to us. Let's put the word out and try to attract them here. I remember I grew up in a town in Oklahoma, Owasso, Oklahoma. I told the story once, but I recall driving past. I mean, Oklahoma, Bible Belt, there's a church like every block. There's so many churches. I can I could it would it would be beyond me to even think that if there's anyone there that didn't go to a church. You know, there's just so many churches and they all compete a lot, you know, to try to get everybody to come to their building. And I remember driving by this this Baptist church once and they had this ginormous mound of dirt that went high up into the air and back down like this. I'm like, what is going on there? And then the flyers went out all over the city. 
And I was like, come, come to see what we're going to do. We have this evil Knievel type guy on a motorcycle. He's going to ride up the ramp and jump over all our buses that go everywhere to try to bring people to Christ. And I thought, what? <laughs> evil Knievel for Christ, you know? It's attracting people to the campus. And sometimes there's a measure of that. But one of the reasons churches fail is because they're not very good at teaching God's Word in a way that equips everybody sitting here to go out and be a witness out there. Let them come to us. That was Israel's attitude in the Old Testament. We are to be a nation that everybody comes to and just is at wonder. Well, why are we different? But in the New Testament, God flips that. Not a come, it's you go. You go. One of the reasons a church can fail also is they might have the attitude, let the Holy Spirit do it. Let the Holy Spirit do it. I mean, the Holy Spirit opens people's eyes. It illuminates people to Scripture. It convicts of sin. It draws you to the gospel. The Holy Spirit is at work. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to move. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to work, bring people to Christ. And the measure of that is good, yes. But it can also make for lazy Christians. God gave the Holy Spirit to you so you could go out and minister and be empowered to do the work. Sometimes in our house, like we have this trash can and it gets full and somebody pulls the bag out, does this and sets it right there and puts a new bag in. And for the life of me, I don't know why they don't also just take the bag out because I'm walking along and I'm like, why is, there, why is there a trash bag here? And somehow it collects like somebody's got to get that. Oh, it's raining right now, maybe in a little bit. And then, you know, later in the day you walk by and there's like a box now. And people are throwing trash in the box. Now there's a bag and a box of trash. Well, whose job is this? Somebody's going to get it. Somebody's got to do it. And now in our house, we know it's supposed to be Micah. So the first thing is usually somebody goes, Micah, you know, but he's not there all the time. Maybe he's gone, you know. He went on a trip for soccer. Well, that was challenging. Everybody in the house, what do we do? There's trash. You know, at least that's designated. We know that's a job. Now we have this puppy, and sometimes the puppy poops in the house, and no one's designated that. It's just like, who's going to do it? And that's the worst. You're walking by, there's a poop there. Who's going to pick this up? And that's how Christians become. The Holy Spirit's going to do it, and we're just walking by. What's your witness? Well, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to do it. But God has empowered you to do it. Just remember that, Micah, next time there's some trash. Let them come. Let the Holy Spirit do it. Maybe we should just focus here. And that's what Jerusalem church did. The mission is first stage, Jerusalem, got it. But they never got outside of that. It's like, we're a big church, but there's still so many people in Jerusalem that don't know Christ. We got to keep focusing on Jerusalem. Well, how big do you have to get before you can also start to go out? You got to do both. And so, why did that early church fail? Well, I, I, I had to be careful. It, it, the focus shifted to Antioch. God began to work at accomplishing His mission there. Why? 
These are some reasons why. Let them come to us. Common attitude Israel had, it made its way into that early church. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. Maybe we got to keep trying at Jerusalem before we move on. And see, as a pastor, I have to come back always and say, are we on mission? Are we too focused just here? Because we learn from what we see in Scripture and we apply it to us. They failed at the mission and we don't want to either. That makes me ask the question, you know, what about finishing the mission? Because we're like far away from Acts, you know, haven't we reached everywhere? And on this point, I could drown you in statistics, but I'm not. I'm just going to give you one. And this statistic is fresh, okay? Finishing the mission, 59% of the world today is considered unreached, meaning Jesus is largely unknown among 4.6 billion people. Now, that word unreached means there isn't a developed gospel presence in places of the world. Maybe they don't have any, any uh, uh, a Bible or any literature in their language to tell them about Christ. And so the church on mission is continually looking at where it can go to take the gospel. Sometimes we're sending missionaries to places that already have a lot of missionaries. We need to look and see what languages are there that we need to translate into the Scripture so that people can have the Bible in their hand. There is a lot of work to do still to finish the mission that God has given us as the church. So what does that mean for us? Well, the first thing I would say to you is you need to remember the mission. It's so easy to forget about what God has called you to. You are called to be His witness. And because you live in Guam, Guam is your Jerusalem. And let me clarify something. Being a witness does not narrow down to, I must go to a person, because you use an example, and say to that person, you know, you don't know Jesus? You need to know Jesus. You know you're a sinner? You're going to go to hell if you don't know Jesus. It's pretty hot down there. So let me tell you about Jesus. You know, like that's sometimes we think that the witness is only that, but it's much more than that. Being a witness means I'm a person who's saved by grace, who has my own struggles, and God's Spirit comes into me, and God's Word leads me, and it, it, it corrects, and it, it rebukes, and it encourages, it changes me from the inside out. And suddenly this guy, what he sees is a changed person. Maybe what he sees is somebody who is short-tempered. And then he goes, well, you sure seem different. What's, what's different in you? And it gives you the opportunity to talk about the changes in your life. So sometimes the witness is just living out the gospel changing you in front of other people. And I say that because some of you go, I'm not very good at evangelizing. Just live out your faith in front of people. And wait for opportunities where you might say more than that. So, remember the mission. Our mission is not to grow a megachurch here. 
God grows a church. If He does that, that's Him. That's Him. And I would say, God, we've got to have a bigger building then, right? We can't fit or we're going to have a lot of services back to back to back to back. But I don't stress about that. What I stress about, actually, I shouldn't even say that. What I care about is shaping the people in our church to think of themselves as God's agents of, of witness in Guam. So, if you look to your right and your left, you could see our values as a church. Early on when I started pastoring here, we started shaping those values. Christ community culture. Christ is believe. You got to believe in Christ. That's foundational. You need to put your faith in a man named Jesus Christ who came. He was a son of God. He died on the cross for you because you are in rebellion to God and He will judge you. Without the work of Christ, then you're going to face that judgment. I mean, that's the basic message of the gospel, that Christ died for us. Once you believe that, the Spirit comes to live inside you and God places you in His church. You become a member of God's family, a member of, the, of a church. The Bible talks about the people sitting here as brothers and sisters of Christ. Membership in the church is totally different than other kinds of memberships. This isn't Costco. You don't join it because you get benefits and discounts. A membership is something that where you're connected. Like my finger is connected to my hand that's connected here. It's a body. You are part of the body of Christ. That's the language the Bible uses. A family. And that means you must be active in that body. My finger does, it doesn't, you know, it's alive, and it's working as part of my body. Are you? You are to be active in God's body, doing something, giving life, and receiving life. And I will tell you, God uses that body. He uses the community, the people sitting around you to grow you up in your faith. Without it, you will suffer staying as a baby. Just like a, a small baby, we're going to dedicate babies today. They come into life, and they need people around them to help them, to support them, to nurture them, to grow them up into maturity. It's the same in Christianity. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, people need to come around you and help you and grow you. You have to be part of a community. And then the last point there culture. This is the missional aspect of who we are. The first two lead us into the last one. Build culture. Culture is something that's creating and making. And, and I uh, led our church to put that as one of our key values because I need you to see that it's important that you have to be aware of the Jerusalem you're in. Some of you are lifers. Jeff's been here forever. Some of you are here for two years. Well, if you're here two years, this is your Jerusalem for two years. And you work at being a witness for two years until God moves you on to someplace else. But you, are, you have to care about the place that God has placed you. I would say that the thing that I care about, the dream that I have, as a pastor for our church, is seeing lives, relationships, and our island flourish 
through our church. You've got to have the people here. You've got to have it community, and you've got to have it island. Now, why would we? Last week we had Pancho sitting here, an elder at this church. He was a member of this church 20 years. Mel served with me for five years here, sitting with him a dozen or so people who were members of our church for a long time, and we launched them out. Why would you do that? If you care about growing numbers in a big church, you wouldn't. But we care about reaching the island. There's a way in which Pancho's church flourishes now and is reaching people we might not reach. Same with Mel. I mean, they're just starting but I believe they'll reach people that maybe we won't reach. And so we support that. We support the vision of that as a church. That is our Jerusalem. We launch them out because we care about our Jerusalem, but we can't just stay here. And so what a Sunday to have, have our missions report be about a missionary support in Jerusalem, the place that, like, golf left Scotland, the church... God's focus moved out of Jerusalem. Now we're sending people to Jerusalem to reach it. It's global. So there's a way in which I could say we must be, as a church, now listen to this, locally focused but globally active. And that's what we are. You can see that last week. There's a focus to reach our Jerusalem, but we're still globally active. The local is important because if we die as a church, it affects the global. A couple years into this church, I can remember we weren't doing well. We needed to focus on the health of our church. And do you know we had to send a letter to every missionary we supported and tell them we have to cut your funding in half because we weren't even growing as a church here. We have to be healthy and focused locally. A church that is healthy and growing here is healthy outward globally active. Remember the mission. Support the mission. That's why we bring someone up once a month to tell you about the missionaries you support. Did you even know we support a missionary in Jerusalem? That's good to hear that. Now that you know, you need to pray. Support means you, you support the vision of it. You support financially this church. Every year when we have our business meeting, the elders sit down, we look at everything. And I don't know how many years ago it was, but we said we need to give at a minimum 10% of everything to missions globally outside of our Jerusalem. It could be Judea and Samaria. It could be in Micronesia. That's our Judea and Samaria. And Every year we try to inch it and grow it a little bit more, a little bit more, so that we are supporting both locally focused but globally active. You're a part of that. You're a part of that by supporting the vision, supporting financially, and praying. Like today, we really need to pray for our missionaries that are in Israel and the intense challenges. This Christmas, we're going to bring a missionary back so you can see them in person here and let them tell you about what they're doing. We're going to have a breakfast down there, and if you want to come, you can sit and ask questions and interact with them. And this particular missionary is somewhere in the Middle East where it's difficult to do church. 
So I invite you to that. I want you to look forward to that. Support the mission. Now, I just wanted to finish with this. This is a door got opened up uh, around somewhere in the middle of the pandemic where I began to serve. Now, I'm the, the pastor of this church, but God opened a door where I'm serving, uh, helping lead the Guam Ministers Association. And in that, we've tried to begin to craft a vision for that. And in that, we care about supporting local pastors to encourage them, to lift them up to lead in their churches. But secondly, we lift up uh, the different congregations to try to connect them. And so my next slide, I wanted to show you that we are connecting churches together to serve Guam better. There's something that if we get five or six, seven, ten churches to do together, we can do it better. And then we're reaching our Jerusalem, Guam, even better. These are some of them, prayer movements. Last uh, spring, if you went to the National Day of Prayer, it was fantastic. Don't miss the next one. And there was a representation of I don't know how many churches on this island. Evangelistic ministries. We just launched out Alex in the back. Raise your hand, Alex. He's running the slides today. He preached while I was gone. He is part of InterVarsity. And InterVarsity is, is an outreach ministry to try to reach students at the University of Guam. It's evangelistic in its nature. Justice and Mercy Ministries. We support Safe Haven. Mona helps run that. Wave your hand, Mona. For pregnant women who need help, we are lend support to Harvest House every year. In, in November, I'll preach a message on trying to minister to the orphans and the foster kids of our island. Those are Justice and Mercy Ministries, Faith Work Initiatives, Support for Family, the uh, Dave Curry events last winter, the uh, marriage conference, we're part of that, ministry training. I bring in professors that I used to have here to the island just to minister and teach and equip all the pastors of the island. We had, I think, more than 50 pastors and church leaders this summer who attended that. Unity and leaders. And here's what I want to say to you. Every single one of those, you help support because you support this church because we spearhead these things. We are locally focused, but still globally active. And I'm really thankful for the generosity of this church and its leadership in those areas. But to me, this is calling a church to support that vision. It's why we can launch out people from this church and support them because we believe in the vision. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be challenged from your word. It's so encouraging to see all the work that you're doing through our church and even other churches to spearhead different movements, to see the gospel grow on this island because we are a family here, Bayview family, but we have sister churches we support, and we want to reach our Jerusalem. And yet we learn from that first church. We see that you moved on from a local church in Jerusalem, and you raised up a new agent. You raised up a new church. Why? Because... They couldn't get outside of their Jerusalem. And so as a church, we must stay globally active as well to, to reach the nations. Panta ta ethne, different people groups and ethnicities. Yet to support that, we need to be healthy as a local church. So I continue to pray that you would just provide for this church, grow leaders in this church, and help us be able to spearhead things, that you would use us
a tool, an instrument, like Paul was an instrument, may Bayview in our community be an instrument to further the gospel, first here in Guam and in Micronesia to the ends of the earth. We lift this up in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand up and we'll worship together.